Through me, the way into the suffering city. Through me, the way to eternal pain. Through me, the way that runs among the lost. Justice urged on my high artificer. My maker was divine authority, the highest wisdom and the primal love. Before me, nothing but eternal things were made, and I endure eternally. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear faithful, these words from Dante's Inferno do not constitute an inspired source of divine revelation. They were nevertheless written by a faithful Catholic in an era when the Catholic Church and her influence in all realms of society was flourishing, and they capture fairly accurately a reality which comes to the forefront of last Sunday's Gospel. It's a topic which is very unpleasant and which is disagreeable for anyone who is obliged to preach about it, but which we ignore at our greatest peril. This is the existence of hell and the possibility that we all have of falling into it. Our Lord's parable of the king who prepared a wedding feast ends on a somber note. The guest who had no wedding garment, being speechless at the king's interrogation, is left to hear these angry words. Bind his hands and his feet, cast him into the exterior darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. The exterior darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The reality and the eternity of hell are challenged from all corners today, both within and without the church. Many of you have probably heard others affirm their non-belief in hell in these or similar words. I don't believe in hell. After all, how could a loving God condemn his children to an eternity of suffering? What they fail to understand is that hell is a necessary consequence of God's holiness and of his love. For God's very nature, which is holiness itself, prevents him from countenancing even the slightest evil in his midst. The book of Revelation makes this clear. There shall not enter into it anything defiled, or that worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the book of life of the Lamb. God's infinite love for us compels him to respect our free will to the fullest, even to the point of our eternally choosing to separate ourselves from him. No one is compelled to go to hell against his will. Every single soul in hell made a deliberate choice at some point or another against God, and their will was fixed in this choice at the moment of death. If we could imagine the impossible, God throwing open the gates of hell so as to show mercy and deliver the damned souls from their torments, the inhabitants there would slam the gates shut. 
in rage and indignation. Most of you are already familiar with the principal teachings of the church regarding the punishments of hell. You know that the souls who are there suffer more than anything else from their being eternally deprived of union with God. You know that hell is permeated all throughout by an unquenchable fire which burns forever and which, unlike an earthly fire, never consumes what is thrown into it, only continues to burn. In hell are found creatures which can only be properly described by the term monsters, and which exist for one sole purpose, that of inflicting unimaginable and eternal physical pain on the souls of the damned and on the fallen rebel angels who preceded them with Lucifer. Let us try to be realistic in considering our attitude toward the dogma of hell. Most of us have heard these descriptions of the punishments of hell for a long time now, or at least for a certain number of years. And though we believe in them, they can, after a certain point, cease to fill us with the same fear that perhaps they did at a certain point. In fact, though, the physical torments of hell, terrible beyond any conception, are not the worst punishments to be found there. What tortures the souls of the damned over and above the rest is a double contradictory movement in their souls a movement which at once carries them irresistibly towards God as their final good and supreme end, as their supreme good, their final end, and their ultimate happiness, and at the same time violently rips them away from him. In reason of their obstinate malice and hatred of God and his holy will, in effect, these souls have freely chosen evil, as their final end and their supreme good. They've obliged themselves to turn away from God, the unique source of beatitude, and who alone can satisfy their intense desire of supreme and eternal happiness. Their dying in mortal, mortal sin means the eternal loss of all good, supreme despair, and pain without the slightest shadow of hope or relief. Pains elevated to a sovereign degree by the certitude of this word, forever, ringing incessantly in their ears. They will want for all eternity that which they will never be able to possess. They will wish to cease to exist and yet always have to continue existing in intense suffering, in an abyss of absolute despair, in absolute pain. They will know remorse, but it will proceed only from their hatred of God and their predicament, and from the knowledge that the regret of their sinful conduct will forever remain too late. Thus our Lord addressed this admonition to the chief priests and the Pharisees, they who were precisely the ones who had the most need of such a warning blinded as they were with hatred for the Messiah in their midst. His words must therefore be understood as an act 
of great mercy, an attempt to divert these ill-willed men and us from the road to perdition so that neither they nor we would be lost forever. And so God continues to treat with us today in the history of the existence of the universe. God has not created one single human being whom he positively willed, desired to go to hell. Despite what the Calvinists say, God doesn't create anyone for the express purpose of sending them to hell. He never has, he never will. He always and without exception desires, as the psalmist puts it, that the sinner be converted and live. He will never damn any soul to eternal punishment unless that soul, dying in a state of deliberate mortal sin, voluntarily robs God of the ability to save it. Our God is slow to anger, full of love for his creatures and his children, and much more inclined to mercy than to justice. So during this month of the Holy Rosary of our Blessed Mother, let us recite our rosaries every day with an ever greater fervor, imploring our Mother's aid in this deadly struggle with the principalities and powers of darkness here below. For those who die in a state of separation of God have no hope. Let us then, from this very moment, take refuge in the arms of she who is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. And in doing so, surely we will not be lost forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.